This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, hello, America, and hello, Ohio. We are thinking of you today. Uh, there's some bad, bad storms that happened uh, last night, and we'll get into that and how you can help the people of Ohio uh, coming up in just a second. We also, I've been on vacation for about 10, 12 days, and I was watching things that I think nobody else was watching. I was watching the elections in Europe. And I'll explain what's happening around the world and how it is going to affect us. And it's actually, I think, I think it's really kind of good news. Also, the president says we need to go to Mars. Uh, he says it's the most important security thing that we can do. I think Baltimore might disagree with that. We'll talk to you about what's happening in Baltimore. And the perfect story to start a Monday. Yeah, I know. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, but it feels like a Monday. So if you're thinking like, oh, I just... If you think you might be facing a bad day, relax. I've got the ultimate Monday story. Somebody who really had a bad day. We begin there next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. What's the first thing that you do when you get into a new car or into your car? You adjust the seat, right? Well, who was sitting in my chair last week? <clears throat> who was sitting in my chair? Uh, be uh, your your friend Pat Gray. Pat Gray. Mm-hmm. I spent about twenty minutes trying to readjust my chair because he <laughs> took my chair and adjusted it six ways to Sunday. I don't. Uh, I, I I I came in here and I'm like, <laughs> what happened to my chair? Uh, he adjusted it in ways I didn't even know you could adjust it. Uh, but anyway, uh, this chair is the best X chair. Um, it, it does adjust a million different ways, uh, to give you the perfect support that you need for either your home or work. We spend more time in our office chair than we do, uh, in bed, which says something about us really, doesn't it? That we're either sitting or sleeping most of our life. We are going to turn into those people like in, what was it? Wally? No, it wasn't Wally. It was, uh, Wally was, it was Wally. Were those really fat? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's one of those features. I wish a candidate would come out and say what the future is Wally. Then I'd vote for that person. Right. Because that sounds great. We're all just going to be sitting, just around, sitting around just gaining weight. Yeah. Slob. I mean, yeah. it's not much different than my current life. But <laughs> it really it isn't. A little it more really technology isn't. involved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, X chair. <clears throat> for those who feel like they're living the life of Wally. Uh, but you need a really comfortable chair. This is the best chair you'll ever sit in. It's eight four 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 X chair eight four 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 X chair or xchairbeck dot com. A felon from Washington State made a series of mistakes when he shot himself in the testicles. And tried to hide the weapon, all while storing drugs in his butt. Cameron Wilfrey Wilson, 27, was carrying a pistol in his front pocket while in Kashmir, Washington. He was in an apartment on April 5th when the firearm accidentally discharged and blew off one of his testicles. Wilson, who is a 13... It hurt to say that, Stu? It did. I could feel the pain. Yeah. Wilson, who is a 13-time convicted felon, told his girlfriend to dispose of the weapon before heading to the hospital. 
when the ex-con finally went <clears throat> to the hospital. Now, wait, hang on just a second. Let me stop there. Stu, why do you suppose he wanted that weapon disposed of <clears throat> being a 13-time <laughs> felon? There may be some criminal concerns there. Right? Like he doesn't have a right to own a gun. Right. Mm. And he also had already kind of disposed of his own weapon. Yeah. Uh, so right. right. This is a, not a good day. So when he went to the hospital, a balloon of drugs, and I'm just slipped out of his anus while he was uh, being operated on by the doctor. Now, I don't know how it just <laughs> slipped out of his anus, but apparently it did. Cops arrived at the hospital when alerted of the gunshot wound. They searched his car where they discovered a bag of meth in the bloodstained jeans that he was wearing when he shot himself to death. There are so many things that this guy's going to jail on. They say men can't multitask. Uh, no, here here, here, this is this is a really good. Uh, as he was being processed uh, at the uh, County Regional Justice Center, Wilson was strip searched and another balloon of marijuana was found. <laughs> How much no, I, let me, I can't say it was found. Let me quote the story. Another balloon of marijuana slipped from his anus. Mm. While in jail, he made a number of calls to his girlfriend <laughs> and asked her not to cooperate with investigators. Another, another crime. <laughs> that is the worst. <laughs> the convicted felon was charged with possession of a firearm, <laughs> unlawful possess- possession of meth, Possession of a controlled substance in a correctional facility and four counts of tampering with a witness. Oh, wait a minute. That's that. I, I got to take issue with the possession in a, in a what was it in a correctional facility? I mean, yeah, that was a mistake. That, come on. Yeah. He had it in there long before. Yeah. I mean, I, I, your honor, I was free when I put that in my butt. Yes. I think that's a legitimate I, defense. I think so. There's got to be an attorney who will take that one. Yeah, on. I think so. I mean, we can cut him some slack on that one. That's pro bono material yeah. too. I mean, that's <laughs> just, just <laughs> wow. You just you really have to at some point. It's like you know, it's like those people uh, that you know go on uh, you know American Idol that somebody in their life didn't just say to them, "You really suck at singing." Somebody yeah. in his life needed to say, "You're really not a good criminal." I know you want to be a criminal, but you're really a bad criminal. And it is one of those things like criminal life is you only really get into it if you're good at it. In theory, right? I mean, like, well, you're only 13 times you you start to think to yourself, I should apply my time to something else. Like I should apply to like a job and use like because there's plenty of incompetent people in regular life that hold jobs down. You go work for the federal government. Yeah. You could run for office. Yeah. You'll never go to jail. <laughs> That's you, do you could have anything coming from your anus, and you're fine. Yeah, and you have, like, legitimate, like, you're above the law in some of these circumstances. Remember when Harry Reid went on the Senate floor, and he was like, look, uh, you know, Mitt Romney didn't pay his taxes. He didn't pay his taxes, just blatantly lying with no evidence. Uh, it, and know, later but, admitted it. And later admitted it. But he was on the Senate floor, so you can't really do anything about him. I mean, if something were to slip out, <laughs> when you were giving a speech on the Senate floor, I think you're exempt from any crime. I think a 10-pound bag just slipped out of his butt <laughs> while it, I was giving a speech. I was giving a speech. I was on the floor of the Senate. I'm fine. <laughs> this would encourage some really in, in, interesting individuals to get into politics. It would. I think, that's where we, that's, I think that's where we need to go. So if you were having a bad day, just realize 
most likely, I was going to say nothing, but most likely nothing is going to slip from your anus today. And uh, yeah, you don't have to tell your girlfriend to hide a gun. You're fine. You're fine. Today's a good day for you. Uh, all right. Relief factor. In America, 50 million people miss work due to pain. Of these Americans, they spend about $2,000 to combat their pain and 66% expect to live the rest of their life with some pain. I have to tell you, I just I just got back from vacation. We were up at the ranch and we were fixing fences. By the way, remind me to talk to you about mending fences because I thought a lot about. It's amazing when you are up on a farm, you're just out in the middle of nowhere and you are just raising animals how much things begin to just make sense to you uh a hard work uh pays off there's nothing that can replace hard work i want to talk a little bit about that today and what was the thing i just told you to remind me of mending Mending fences fences. Mm -hmm. mending fences remind me of that um but we were out and we were stringing fence and and uh and barbed wire and electric fence and it was we're trying to keep stew off the property mm-hmm. and uh i i'm not going to complain about pain ever again well yes i will but not today because i will remember all the people that are, are doing this every single day and they walk around like you know their eye hanging out and they're just like yeah just i uh, just snag my eye on some wire i just pop it back in <laughs> they just keep going they just keep going how many americans are there we look at these Americans that are living in the cities and we're like, where are the tough Americans? The tough Americans are still out there. The tough Americans are still going, yeah, no. Yeah, I dislocated my uh, shoulder. I just uh, I just mm, kind of leaned up against the tree and popped it back. I'm good. <laughs> if you're if you're somebody that is has reason to live in 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 pain, uh, you can get out of it with relief factor. It stops the inflammation. Call 800 583 Eight hundred five hundred eighty three eighty four. There's no reason to live. There's no reason to live in the pain that you're living in. Really, it's worked for me. Eight hundred five hundred eighty three eighty four. Relieffactor dot com. We break for ten seconds. Station ID. So I saw a uh, I saw a story in the in the Huffington Post um, about pro Trump drawings. Are tro pro Trump drawings art? This it drove me out of my mind. They take President Donald Trump has inspired a, a range of famous artists across different mediums to create works criticizing his administration and make a statement about his place in culture. But there's also a lesser known group of amateur and professional artists who laud the president and depict him as a strong, sometimes superhuman leader. Largely rejected from the established art venues, these pro-Trump images proliferate on social media and have staked out a place as the Trump administration's unofficial iconography. Okay, so the premise of this article is if you don't like Trump, you're a respected artist. (laughs) But if you do like Trump, 
you're not really an artist. You're not doing art. You're doing drawings. You're an amateur drawer. Okay, that's what you are. <laughs> a few months ago, we assembled a group of editors and reporters from our culture and politics team, some who are no longer with the company. I love that. <laughs> Why? Why are they not with the company? We executed them. Yeah. They, they, they actually, they said Trump <laughs> stuff was good, so, yeah, so they're, they're no longer, no with, longer the with us. Or the earth. They're yes. no longer here. Right. Uh, to discuss the pro-Trump art. Um, so they go through these these artists and some of them are good some of them are some of them are bad uh but you know like john mcnaughton you know who john mcnaughton is yeah, yeah, right yeah john mcnaughton is a real artist um and has done some really amazing religious paintings and everything else he's the guy who most conservatives will know um because he did the painting of i think it was Obama wasn't he standing on the Constitution right, yeah. and the the founders were behind him weeping uh, and he did he did a lot of different political art but it's it's real art I mean it's beautiful art he did something for uh, the Underground Railroad as a fundraiser um, he's done he's done a lot of a lot of famous famous art if you're on the right but he never gets any credit because he's on the right. This whole thing is where they talk about the pro-Trump art. It's just propaganda. It's not art. Really? Because do you remember the Hope poster? <laughs> That's now hanging in which museum? In Los Angeles? One of the big museums is now hanging his work. Now, that truly was propaganda. That was released as street art, if I'm not mistaken, at first. And it was used as propaganda. It was based on propaganda. And, uh, and that one's art. But anything that, anything that makes Trump look good is just a drawing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh... Not surprising, of course. Now, you, as the hundredth most important man in the world of art, as named yes. by some really highfalutin art I magazine. I don't even remember. It's so highfalutin. I don't even remember which <laughs> magazine it was. That's actually legitimately happened. It really did. Uh, because you had uh, correctly talked about uh, the art at Rockefeller Center, and mm -hmm. and they wanted mm -hmm. to demean you and mock mm -hmm. you by putting you as a hundredth. You actually were a hundredth, though. Yes, I uh, was. Was the most important man mm -hmm. of art. As someone who knows that, though, I mean, we all know. You obviously know what this world is, right? Like, it's just a world to promote the hard left. You know, the the idea of political art at this point, the reason why you know you can name a few of the conservative artists is because they're so rare, right? Like, you're right. You can just, it's like, you know the story because it's a story, you know, Sabo. the rarity makes it. Yeah, Sabo, exactly. Like, when he comes out and he does one of his, his great posters and they, they show up at, you know, whenever there's a big Democratic event somewhere. Mm hmm uh, you know about it, and it's a big story because of the fact that it's so rare that someone actually takes that stand. I mean, there's a lot of people who are conservative artists that just, you know, they don't get into that world. Like, we've met a bunch of I people to... who, who are real artists and were known for their art. However, they don't come out and, and state their political views. No, I know re one of my favorite artists who shall not be named, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and kind of at a request of him, please don't, please don't ever, please don't. 
he's a big fan. He listens every day. He paints most of his stuff, and it's it goes for hundreds of thousands. I can't afford one of his paintings. I want one of his paintings really badly. One of my favorite artists. Mm-hmm. He sells for thousands and thousands of dollars. He's a huge fan. He sells a lot of stuff to most of his stuff to the left, to the hardcore left. Uh, and they have absolutely no idea. And his paintings are very American. I love them because it's, do you know who I'm talking about, yeah. Stu? Mm-hmm. They're very American, but not red, white, and blue America. They're very, they're subtle in their America. You know, when you think of American painters, you think of the eagle, you right, know, and the right. flag and a soldier <laughs> and a jet flying someplace. <laughs> not that. Um, he does his beautiful, beautiful art. But he can't be known. He's like, I'm I'm doomed. If it ever comes out, I'm doomed. He's in museums and everything else. And he's had to live in hiding. That is horrible. Absolutely horrible. But if you go to museums, what you're seeing is, I mean, come on. When I, when I went, they took down the painting of Washington crossing the Delaware. Uh, one year in uh, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I went there specifically to take my kids through the art museum. And one of the things I wanted to show them was that. But uh, I also went through all of their, you know, modern art and everything else. I'm a fan of art. And we got to we got to where the painting was supposed to be. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's in a warehouse. But you know what wasn't in a warehouse? A bigger painting, and if you've ever seen Washington crossing the Delaware, it's like 20 feet by, I don't know, 15. It's a gigantic painting. What, what wasn't in the warehouse was a, uh, was a piece of art I like to call blue. And I like to call it blue because I believe that was the name on the card, blue. Oh, okay. Now, I went up to read the little card on this entire wall at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, because I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be. And then I read blue. And I'm like, well, yes, it is blue. I think it's Sherman Williams number five. I'm not sure. But it was entirely flat blue. It was on a wall I like to call eggshell white. Now, at some point, somebody... And you know this is happening. Somebody went, I'm going to paint. I'm just going to paint this thing blue. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a roller and I'm going to paint it blue. I'm not talking about Jackson Pollock where the splatters can be. I'm talking flat blue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm looking at the painting now, Glenn. And you see it? Wow, it's amazing. It's blue. Uh, it's, well, that is, you're using a shorthand. Okay. And you, you, because you're so familiar with yes, the world of yes, art, you yes. feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. I will qualify it's a full name, Blue Panel 2. Blue Panel mm-hmm. 2, yeah. Painted in 1977. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm guessing that, who's the artist there? I'm pretending uh, I don't Ellsworth know. Ellsworth Kelly. Ellsworth Kelly. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that Ellsworth Kelly was very, very popular on the left at the time. I don't know. And, uh, That's interesting. And, uh, and had... At some point said to somebody, maybe his husband, maybe his wife, I'm not judging, uh, whatever it is, somebody that he really trusted and went, (laughs) I just sold this 
to a freaking museum. Okay. <laughs> That's how stupid this whole system is. I just sold this. It's blue panel two. <laughs> now, can you understand blue panel two if you didn't see the original? Uh, yes, you can. You can you understand. Can if you didn't understand. see blue panel one. Right. If you yeah. didn't see that. Yeah. Okay. Blue panel one mm-hmm. is a little lighter or darker <laughs> than blue panel two. Now, would you like to hear what he was doing? Not that you don't know, but for the audience. Yeah. yeah uh, what he was trying to as do. As blue panel two suggests, he treated color and shape in his painting as synonymous and an integral with each other. In keeping with a prevalent mid-century philosophy that illusionism was a denial of paint's flat essence. This guy (laughs) spent more time coming up with what the meaning was. (laughs) Kelly's conflation of shape and color is especially evident in his inventive exploration of the shaped canvas. In this case, a trapezoid that is nearly a parallelogram. This design is based on collages he made on a postcard uh, postcard views of the island of St. Martin, which may account for the painting's seductive blue, evocative of sky and water. Uh, it's just blue. Which is blue. <laughs> just a blue painting. That's all it is. That's all it is. That's amazing. So, I think I made a billion so, dollars out uh, of that. You know what? Get over yourself, Huffington <laughs> Post. Get over yourself. It's a scam. Everybody knows it's a scam. Gee. How come the ones that reflect the values of the left are in museums? And there's just a caveman drawn over here. Blue. You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. Uh, We announced before I went on vacation, and these things are selling like crazy. Um, This is an all-inclusive, I mean, airfare. Everything is taken care of. Food, everything. A cruise through history. It's taking place next spring. Uh, I want you to come bring those that you love. Eh, Leave the ones you hate at home, but bring your kids if you can. There are four different cruise options. We're going to start in Venice. We're going to sail the eastern Mediterranean. We're going to go to Croatia, Greece, and Israel. We're going to tell the story. When I say we, it's me, it's Stu, it's David Barton, it's Rabbi Lappin, and Bill O'Reilly. So you're going to be on this cruise with really interesting historic uh minded people and uh, me yeah and Stu. Mm-hmm. uh and uh <laughs> and so we're going to be we're going to be taking you through and teaching the history really of our country uh through venice and greece and israel uh, it's really going to be great go to come and learn more about this and join us if you can next spring come sail away come sail get all the details Check out blazetv.com slash Glenn. We have a whole section of candidate profiles. Uh, all the Democratic candidates we're going through this week uh, as well. Blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Welcome to the program. Not named, uh, but I believe the 101 most important person uh, in the art field is uh, Pat Gray. Welcome, Pat. Wow, How thank are you? you. Thank You're you. welcome. You're welcome. Doing well. Yeah. 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 Uh, my latest piece, I think, is pretty inspirational. Is it? I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call it um, black. Ooh. Mm. Uh, now horizontal oh elegram. Horizontal elegram. <laughs> yes. This is one of yeah. the days that, that you beautiful? just you must be a member of Blaze TV. You to have see to see black. reveal yeah. uh, black from Pat. Gray. Now, how long did, when you were painting that? Yeah. First of all, how long right. did that take you? Oh my gosh. Seventeen weeks. Seventeen. Seventeen weeks. weeks. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I and had to so, think it through first. Uh huh. Uh huh. Carefully uh-huh. uh, arrange. 
Now, the lines. Those people who what let's... do the lines represent? Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Horizontalness. Sorry. Mm. Horizontalness. Yes. Uh huh. I see what you're saying. Right. But they're not all perfect. I'm noticing okay. they're not all perfectly horizontal, and that's the choice. No, you made. that's the choice I made. Exactly right. Thank for you for the reason of. Well, because we're not all perfect, are we? And that's kind of my so statement. Deep. In this. Oh my god! So, so deep. So deep. Yeah. So, so very deep. Yeah. And yeah, the reason sometimes why sometimes the sun rises, and in, in the extreme north, sometimes it doesn't. Wow. Mm. Sometimes in this extreme south, mm. is that and another the, painting that yes, you might be doing? Yes, that's another one yeah. uh, that will be called uh, Aqua. Aqua. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some people that don't read the Aqua. Huffington Post, <laughs> right? That mm-hmm. might look at at your painting, yeah, and say that's a draw. and say that that is just you with a sharpie five minutes ago. Wow, those are the ignorant Stu. Those yes, are the, those will be the people that won't be in the museums. The non-sophisticated, mm-hmm. they will yeah. not be in yeah. museums. Yeah. Um. So I did. It was raining most of my trip. Uh. In fact, every day except two. Uh, really? Yeah. Raining oh, the whole that time, sucks. and it was uh, so. It was just it was just a mud bath <laughs> the whole time. So I, I that always happened. I know. And then I got home yesterday. Was Did anybody beautiful. go to the hospital though? Today, uh, wait a minute. I no, not there this was time. A, wow. No, there were two doctor visits, but that's because we oh. were all sick okay. for the first five days. That's incredible, mm-hmm. though. You went through an entire vacation without going to the hospital. Yeah, that's not incredible. me. Yep. Anyone in the family? Yeah. Yeah, nobody in the family went. And I mean, obviously, there was all discussion of it. There okay. was, there discussion. was? Yeah, good, there good. was. <laughs> At some point, we're like, should we go to the hospital? I'm like, no. And I don't remember what that was for. But anyway, <laughs> we're in the part of the country where, honest to God, one of the guys that works with us, he had to have like 30 stitches in his head, a drill a bit broke off, drilling through these giant logs and mm. drilling through a drill bit breaks off and he Ouch. cuts his forehead and you know the head bleeds a lot yeah uh and uh, so he had like 30 or 35 stitches um this happens while we're gone we come back and his head is just a bloody bandage and i'm like dude what happened and he's like ah oh, this drill bit and i said uh should you go to the hospital i mean blood caked all over his face and this bandage that just looks like it was just <laughs> Like, he just took a rag and just tied it around his head. I mean, that's how bad it looked. And he's like, no, no. He said, I I went, I had to get, I think it was like 35, I had to get like 35 stitches. And I'm like, I don't think you should be here. Did the doctor say you should come back to work? And he said, no, I didn't go to a doctor. Who stitched up your head? I just, doctors are a pain in the ass. I just went down to the vet down the street. You went to a vet. You a vet. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't go to a vet if I meant the kind that was doing medicine in Iraq. I wouldn't go to that kind of a vet to be able to get stitches. He just went to the dog. You know, he's like, ah, you don't have to wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way of looking Not at it. Not a huge human line forming <laughs> for the vet. No. no. Except one vacation, we did go. We were in... Um, I don't remember the Bahamas or something. And we're we're uh, on the first day of vacation and absolutely everything has gone wrong. And uh, and I have this splitting migraine headache and uh, and I'm I I hit my head. And so I've got a a gash in my head and we just band-aids on that. And I'm having a horrible day. Somebody else gashes their head, does the same thing I did, breaks open their skin, and they need stitches. 
but he's like, nah, I'm not going. I'm just going to hold it together for a while. I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> then we're standing out there, and we're standing in the sunlight, and Tanya's eyes are just pinpoint pupils. Um, and uh, and I said, I've never seen your eyes like this. And she's like, ah, oh, it's just probably the brightness of the sun. I said, come over here. Come in the shade for a second. They don't change, okay? She goes into the dark. They don't change at all. We go, we go inside, and I close all the curtains, and I, I take a flashlight, and I'm like, let me see your eyes are changing. Your eyes aren't changing. There's something wrong. To be fair, you are a doctor, too. I'm a doctor. So you can do these I'm a things. doctor. Mm-hmm. So I just never seen this. And uh, so I call a doctor, friend of mine in New York, and he happens to be a neurologist. And he's like, okay, Glenn, um, I don't want you to panic. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm panicking just from that. What do you mean? Don't panic. <laughs> And he said that that could be very bad. That that could be a brain tumor. There could be oh, some man. real problems there. So, so you took her to the vet. So <laughs> he said, "You have to come back right away." And I'm like, "Jeez, we're just we just we just got. Are you sure? Like like you? I mean, there couldn't be anything else." And he's like, "Are you guys doing drugs?" And I'm like, "No." And he said, "Okay, well then, there's nothing else." And he wow. said, "I want you to get CAT scan right away. Just there on the island, find a place CAT scan." So we go. So she's in this CAT scan, and they're doing the, the, you know, the CAT scan thing. And the guy working the CAT scan said, this is pretty cool. And I'm thinking, what's <laughs> cool? And I said, this machine with all these buttons. <laughs> all these buttons. So this is pretty cool. And I'm like, well, what, 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 what's cool? And he said, this is the first time we've ever had a human in this. And I said, what? It was a hospital. I said, what? And he said, yeah, usually dolphins. Usually we just do dolphins. I'm like, are you qualified to tell me what should be in her head? I mean, dolphin brains and human brains, I don't think are alike. Are they? So so we have a lot of uh, she. uh, The doctor kept saying. It's okay. You can tell me you guys are doing drugs. And I'm like, <laughs> we're not doing drugs. And he's like, okay, all right. We're like, it's not drugs. And he's like, I got it. I got no it. no idea how boring we are. We're <laughs> not doing drugs. <laughs> and he's like, have you had any Japanese blowfish? And I'm like, no. That's even, that's even less uh, ridiculous than us doing drugs. If we ate but Japanese goldfish, no. we would tell you we were on drugs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, it turns out that I had had seasick, you know, that the seasick patches. And if you even just touch them and you're sensitive to it, it can change the pupils, oh, the dilation wow. of your eyes. And wow. so it turns out we were doing drugs. <laughs> you just didn't, didn't even know it. Like we're doing drugs Without and we didn't know. any of the fun right. of doing drugs. Right. Just cutting out the vomiting, which... <laughs> Was there any point while you were at the veterinarian that something slipped out of you? Uh, that, <laughs> so, uh, no, nothing no. slipped out of my butt. <laughs> no, no. Did you hear about the stupid criminal earlier? I heard a portion of that. Yeah. 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 He had drugs I, slipping I, out I of his butt. I tuned in in time to hear slipping out of his anus. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, was the, that was the actual <laughs> text of the story. That was the text of the okay. story. All right. So They wouldn't anyway. use butt. That no, would be yeah. ridiculous. No, yeah, anyway, I got to get, because I want to take these things down. I, we, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about the, the art uh, of the, the left and the, the drawings of the right and how it's just propaganda. And uh, wait, 
Yes, that's what you guys were doing with Barack Obama. You were doing it with photography. Mm-hmm. You were doing it with the written word. You were doing it on everything. Remember all the halos over yeah. Obama's head? Yeah. When they took pictures of it. And they were like, oh, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? You didn't see that? Right. Mr. I see all kinds of deep meaning in a blue panel. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, they didn't include me. And I'm really upset uh, that they didn't include my drawings. And uh, these are just two things that I did while on vacation. Uh, I want to show you the uh, first one. I like to call this uh, China and Biden playset because that's what it says on it. Uh, <laughs> China and Biden playset strings included. Uh, it's not finished because I haven't put the uh, the golden girl uh, action grab hands uh, on it yet. But you see, that's uh, Chairman Mao as Geppetto okay. and uh, mm-hmm. Joe Biden as uh, Pinocchio grabbing the gold and the cash. So I like it. Uh, Hunter Biden action figure sold separately. And uh, this is actually a direct ripoff of a a propaganda piece uh, done in the Ukraine. Uh, I just made it more American. Uh, This is uh, Putin controlling the actions of I like to say that's almost Jake Tapper, but not quite. My son says that that is Anderson Mm. Cooper. And I say, no, it's actually more of a Charlie McCarthy, but you can interpret it any way you want. Uh, and the banner underneath is Dems and Peach, and, uh, and Putin's controlling the uh, <laughs> the strings of CIA. good. I like those. You like those? Yeah. That yeah. should move you up the chart a little bit, I think. I think so. And I, mm-hmm. uh, I think they're, they're going to – I think the Huffington Post will enjoy all of these Oh, paintings. absolutely they will. The, and, love them. and we'll see them in museums real soon. Oh, my gosh. Right around the corner. <laughs> I mean, right next to a blue splotch. <laughs> right. Pat Gray's black. 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 Uh, yeah. and horizontal. Horiz- horizontal telelogram. And some horizontal telelogram. <laughs> there it is. And perhaps maybe some uh, you know, well-known religious icon in, in urine or some other terrible. Well, we do have Obama and PP, uh, which we did. I remember. Uh, oh, well, that's we right. We did do Obama and PP. Which they went did, crazy over they that. They went nuts over that. You put, you put cr- a cross or Christ in PP. They're fine. And they put it in a museum. Mm-hmm. I put a bobblehead of Barack <laughs> Obama in PP, and they went nuts. <laughs> At least we know who their God is. Uh, welcome to the program. Let me tell you about Simply Safe. <clears throat> recent Gallup, <clears throat> excuse me, a recent Gallup survey shows Americans worry more about burglary than almost any other crime. Burglary is 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 not that common. I mean, it, we're we're actually in really good uh, standing right now, far as crime. Crime is going to get worse i think as things get worse here in america but over 10 percent of breakouts uh, uh, break-ins are planned beforehand only 10 percent so these are spur of the moment things mostly what turns the criminal away is a security system two million burglaries are reported every single year only 10 percent was like hmm, how do we get into this house the rest of them walk up, they look through your door, they look through your windows, and they see if they, you have a security system, and if it's on. If it's on, you have one and it's on, they go to the next house. Yeah, you want to turn it on. That's a, that's a key part of this <laughs> key equation part, as well. Right. Simply Safe is the home security system that you need. It's not a little you know, gadget that, oh, yeah, I can see my front door. What good does that do? 
I mean, that's nice, but that's really not all you need. Simply Safe has a little gadget. If you want to see who's at your front door, I love this. I went over to my son's house who has Simply Safe, and he's like, "You have to see this. Look at this. It, it it shows the not only front door, but he has cameras in the house. Shows the front door. If you ring the doorbell, it will alert him, and he can see who's there, even at work. And he can say, "Oh, you know what? Leave that package just inside the door. Hang on." And it unlocks the door. It uh, He goes in. It turns off the alarm, unlocks the door. The guy can put the package in. He can see what the guy is doing the whole time. Close the door. He can relock it and turn on the alarm system. Mm. It's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah, Simply Safe. It's uh, more than just a little gadget. Uh, it is the secure system uh, that you need for your home. Security. Uh, the right way and at a price that you can afford and fourteen ninety nine a month for the uh, 24-7 monitoring. It's simplysafebeck.com. Go there now, simplysafebeck.com. I think it's fascinating what happened uh, over in Europe uh, last week, the results of the European elections. Um, it, it was a real big loss for the European Union. Uh, these... So-called traditionalists, the ones who are not traditionalists, they're the ones who want the the European Union to to continue to stand. They're starting to be in the vast minority. Uh, these elections, did you follow them at all, Stu? Yeah, we did a little bit on this last week, and it, it's a fascinating thing. Of I just don't understand the system at all. Like it's like, oh, I didn't get the thing I wanted to get done, so I'm just going to resign, and then we'll just have new elections. And like, it's so weird their oh, the system, p- p- parliamentary system. Yeah, and then talking the about e- Britain. Yeah, with Britain, and then the EU. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why Britain's kind of in the news with these EU elections is the Brexit party won. I think it was 31.5 percent of the vote. It was the number one party in Britain. The party did not exist six weeks ago. It was created six weeks ago, and now it's the biggest party. From Britain in the EU. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think it's so which great, one but that's is a that? weird system. There's <laughs> Nigel Farage, mm-hmm. and then there's the other guy, Daniel Han- Hannon, mm-hmm. right? And Farage is the guy who's kind of in with the Bannons of the world. I think that's that's accurate. And yeah. Hannon is not. Yeah. I mean, I love Daniel Hannon. He's a, I do, too. He's great. Um, and Farage has a lot of good, you know, I, you know he's not like a... He's one of those guys that gets beat up in the media a lot, sometimes, right. I think, unfairly. Yeah. Um, but he was a very big Brexit guy as well. But there's a right. different, couple different approaches on Brexit. Right. Um, but yeah, he's... One is more nationalist, more... Um, I can't even say nationalist. It's not... It gives the wrong uh, flavor to it. I guess one is populist, more... Populist. Yeah, certainly. more populist and, and does have a tinge of race uh, to it. The other is like, this system doesn't work. The system is just bad for Great Britain, um, and uh, and and I think that is that one is the Daniel Hannon uh, side. Yeah, he's saying that it's just bad for Great just Britain. Just bad for yeah, Great I mean, Britain. Look, you for your country you should be able to make your own freaking decisions. Well, this happened. These are basic things. This swept Europe. Now. Yeah. I mean, the European Union is in real trouble, and both both ways too. I mean, it's you've seen this, yes, because a lot of the, there's the the far left, the socialists, the green parties in Europe also did very well, and then yes. what they're finding is people just abandoning those the major parties and going to these more parties. Going to happen here. Here, there, the, everything that is happening in Europe is just ahead of us, just ahead of us. It's going to happen here. These parties are. It's over. It's just over. 
when it will happen here in the United States, I don't know. It's harder to happen here because the two-party system controls everything. But it's going to come here. This is the Glenn Beck Program. No, it's... I know, but Welcome maybe to we the... don't want to disclose that, too. <laughs> I know. We're, or it will go we're away. Just, we're just sitting here uh, <laughs> talking about... I was, um, I was at a gun store uh, up in Idaho, and... I think it's Remington is making this new gun. And we're just talking about, Stu just said, I said, we got to talk about it. He said, no, maybe we shouldn't. (laughs) I'm like, well, no, but it's in gun stores now. I mean, you should let me get mine first. Right. Uh, It's it's, it's quite an amazing discovery that I made. uh, And it just shows how little Washington knows about guns and how ridiculous the idea of trying to regulate or stop it's just not going to happen because first of all they don't understand them we'll go there also the elections uh in europe and how you can help those who are in real dire need today in ohio all coming up in one minute this is the glenn beck program Realestateagentsitrust.com wants to help you with your biggest investment. Now, this is a free service. You don't have to pay for it. The real estate agents uh, actually uh, are the ones that, that, that are looking for new clients. So what we do is we hook you up with the real estate agent in your town. But it's not just any real estate agent. It's a real estate agent that understands how to sell homes. There's a really simple system. Uh, you have to know how to price a home. Uh, you have to know how to advertise that home. The the real estate agents that we have found and are going to partner with you with, some of these people make more than all of the other real estate agents uh, in your area combined. There's a reason for this. You know, the, the thing is, uh, how many times have you heard, well, you know, my cousin does this part-time. You know, my son-in-law, he's just been working on this. Why don't you give him a whirl? No, don't. Don't. This is the biggest investment of your life. Have somebody who really knows what they're doing. And there is a difference in real estate agents. That's why if you're looking to sell or buy a home, we're going to fix you up with the real estate agent that you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. I don't know if I'm ever going to come back. One of these one of these times I go on vacation and I'm just not going to come back because I just I learn so much on a farm. We um we are fortunate enough to be able to have a farm and um and not be in the farmer's position. These farmers are really going through really tough times. I had one I had one farmer, a dairy farmer, try to explain to me uh, how the price of milk could be uh, below the cost of production for like the last nine years. I'm like, that's not possible. Well, it is if you start to, you know, screw with the system. If you start to tinker with the free market, then it is possible. And these dairy farmers, the small dairy farmers, man, they are really, really struggling. 
And the farms are struggling all across the country. Part of it, it has to do with with trade. Uh, but, you you know, you learn so much about um, our farm is in this, uh, this dry area. It's a, almost a desert uh, that's brought to life every year by just irrigation. Uh, and so you pray for rain. And if you don't have the right amount of rain, it's just you're not going to everything dies. Everything dies. If you have uh, rain at the wrong time, you cut your hay, you cut your alfalfa, whatever, you cut your crop, and then it has to lay there and dry in the sun for a while. If it rains in those three to five days that you have it sitting there, it's all bad. I mean, there's just so many things that could go wrong. There's a joke in the area that, that we have our farm that it's only rained twice this spring. Uh, and it it rain it rained from uh, February until April, <laughs> and then from uh, uh, April middle of April till now, it's been raining nonstop. So people can't plant their fields. Now we planted our fields in a in a in a rare dry area in between those two rain spells. So ours is growing, but there's been no sun, so it's not growing enough. And if we cut it, it's going to sit there and it will rot in the field. Everybody else, they haven't been growing their field. They haven't even had them planted yet. So we're both stuck. But here's how it's all trickled down. Uh, the people who are raising cattle, they don't have feed because they plan on feed until around, you know, the end of May or June when the new hay starts to come in. So there's nothing to feed these animals. It's crazy. It's crazy how delicate and and how how insane it is to be a farmer but when you're a farmer you understand everything anybody who is talking about gender identity go spend a summer on a farm you want to know how things work go spend a summer on a farm you're having problems with your son or daughter go spend a summer on a farm my son changed over two weeks. Getting him out of bed, getting him to do anything is like insane. He's a 15-year-old kid going all through the normal 15-year-old boy stuff. Getting him on the farm where he was getting up and actually accomplishing stuff, having to build or mend fences was amazing. And it changed him. I mean, he was climbing mountains. By the end of the three, uh, the two weeks, he, he we were over at a friend's house, and he has this big, huge, mount, literal mountain in his backyard. And uh, my son said, uh, hey, do you mind if I just climb that? And he's like, no. And nobody thought anything about it. I, I, was, I was not around when he said that. Nobody thought two things about it. He's a 15-year-old boy. Sure, go climb the mountain. It's a big mountain. And uh, I come around because it was a big gathering of people. And I come around the corner and a bunch of people are looking up at the mountain. And I said, what are you looking at? I said, see that red dot up there? And I could just barely make out this red dot. That's your son. What? When did that happen? What's going on? What do you t- Who told him he could climb the mountain? He climbed the mountain. Came back down. I was both thrilled and freaking out the whole time. We don't, our society does not allow 
our kids to grow up. Ever. I am convinced that our 15-year-olds could be fixing all kinds of stuff, could be actually really making an impact in a positive way in our society if they weren't so trapped in these schools that are teaching them nonsense. We treat our kids like they're kids, and it's hard because today's society, everything's like that. I'm standing around a group of farmers, and no one said, oh, no, I don't know. Ask, ask, uh, you know, ask his dad. Has he asked his dad? They were just like, yeah, go ahead. It's just the backyard. No, it's a mountain. There's something wrong with our society. And what's wrong with our society is we have gotten away from how things actually work. We're living in this theoretical world. When you're out on a farm, there is no theory here. If it rains, the crops will grow. If it rains too much, the crops won't grow. If there's no sun, they won't grow. If there's too much sun, they'll shrivel up and die. There's no theory. We were out mending fences. Now, when I say the phrase to you, mending fences, what does that mean? When you think of mending fences, you think of what? Coming together, bringing people together, repairing arguments and... You know, I'm sorry. No, no, it's my fault. Your fault. Mending fences. Well, I've never mended a fence before. Until I started stringing a fence. And then I'm like, I ain't doing this again. Where is it broken? Can we just tie another piece of barbed wire together and pull it taut again? Yeah, that's called mending fences. And why do you mend fences? You mend fences so your animals don't get out and start to graze on somebody else's land. When your fence goes down, your cow is now on somebody else's land and your cow is now eating their food, their grass. We look at the phrase mending fences as saying, hey, you know, we're both wrong. No, mending fences has nothing to do with that. Mending fences means build a wall. My neighbors and I, we're going to get along fine as long as my cows don't go and steal their food or their cows don't come over and steal my cow's food. We're going to be fine. We're perfectly neighborly with each other until one of us needs to mend a fence because, dude, you got to mend that because your cows keep coming over and eating my food. You know what we need to do with Mexico? Mend fences. Now, that's a phrase. You hear build a wall. That's horrible. No, no, no. We need to mend fences. In a farming community, that means putting up an electric fence. That means putting up barbed wire. 
So the cows, because the cows will, they'll stick their head through barbed wire and they'll eat the grass close to the road or they'll eat the grass on the other side of the fence and they'll get their heads in between those fences and they can't get out sometimes. Because the grass is always greener on the other side. You look at these damn cows and you're like, turn around, cow. There's plenty of stuff over here. Nope, they want, the, they want the grass on the other side of that fence. And you mend it. And if it's really bad, you do what we do. We had to put an electric fence up. Now, imagine putting an electric fence up. That seems pretty radical, expensive. A thousand acres and an electric fence... Does it really work? Does it shock them? What does that even feel like to a cow? No, the cows actually, they hit it once, and then they don't hit it again. They hit it once. And they can actually hear the buzz of the electric fence. There's a warning. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not like a cow's just walking around all of a sudden. (laughs) A cow can hear it. A horse can hear it. They hear the current, and they hit it once, and they're like, I ain't going to do that again. So you mend fences, which means keep your stuff on your side. I like you. We're good neighbors. Keep your stuff on your side. I'll keep the stuff on my side that's mine. And we'll get together, you know, at the town hall or, you know, at church or wherever. We'll see you in the grocery store because we're good neighbors. But what stops us from fighting is knowing that there is a fence there. This is my stuff. That's your stuff. We can trade. We'll help each other. Let's stop talking about building a wall. Because that has all kinds of all kinds of images, the Berlin Wall. Mending fences is what we need to do. You can have a tough fence. It could be a giant wall. It could be an electric fence. But you need one. And that's how you come together. The side that's having the problem mends the fence. All right, people, uh, you know, you don't you don't give stuff away, um, you know, that you really want. You don't put it out on the curb because, you know, you put it out on the curb. Somebody's going to come by and you're like, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, maybe that couch wasn't so bad. Somebody just took it in 10 minutes. People put stuff out on the curb and that means, you know, it's either trash or you can come and I guess go through it. Uh, you don't do that with stuff that you really need protected, the things that you value. You don't put your information out on the curb. But that's what you do every single time that you you go on a public Wi-Fi. You go on public Wi-Fi and you're putting your information and your life out on the curb. And there are people out there that want that damn couch. And you're like, I don't really want it. I don't have that much to lose. You actually do. You actually do. And there are people, you go to a coffee shop, there are people that want that information. 
So what you need is a virtual private network, a VPN. Norton is the uh, company that we've we've come to associate with, you know, security online. Norton has now developed a VPN. It starts at $3.33 a month if you sign up for the year. It is a virtual private network. It means that you are secure when you are online. Nobody's going to come in and, and be tracking you, and uh, Facebook is not gathering information on you. Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. Go there now, sign up, you download the app, you sign in once, and now you're online with all your devices through a virtual private network. Norton.com slash VPN. We break for 10 seconds, station ID. You know, every time I, I leave the city and I go out into the real world, because I don't think cities are the real world anymore, I really don't, I just have a different perspective and I like it so much more. I like living in a city and having access to everything, you know? But I don't like living in a city, having access to everything. We live in a paradox right now. We know what's causing a lot of our problems. Social media. Absolutely. Remember all the talk about how damaging talk radio was to society? Talk radio is destroying our country, our national dialogue. Really? How come we're not hearing that about social media from the same experts? And we all know it. When it comes to social media, we all know we have changed because of social media. It has changed us. And even the people who have developed social media, they're not on social media. They don't do it because they know it changes their family. It's really revealing when you think about it that way. It really way. is. I think, too, there's, a, there's an element of it. And being in this business in particular gives you, I think, a, a unique window into it. And that, like, if you're in radio or television, you've been in it for, what, a thousand years, Glenn? Thank you. Uh, I've been seemingly a thousand. Yeah, I know. Uh, not, that, not that much less like, anymore, it feels like. Um, but it's like, you know when you're in radio, for example, that most of the people around you are generally speaking insane. Right? Like, this is just a, it's a known fact of, of television, radio, any, I think, entertainment industry. Basically, everybody you're surrounded by is insane. And it's you're probably insane, too. Like, mm-hmm. there's a certain insanity that leads you into this world um and there is some sort of defect yeah i think it's true it is and what's interesting is as you go through your life in entertainment Mm -hmm. you look at the world completely differently like you're constantly mining it essentially for material Mm -hmm. right i mean like like you're mending Mm -hmm. fences like most people go out and they freaking fix the fence and they go back inside right you're looking for some analogy like and it's you're not doing it intentionally it's just part of who you are now mm-hmm. you're looking for what is the larger meaning how can i explain something interesting based on mm-hmm. this it all happens and in a way you're looking to take what's in your life and turn it into engaging content mm-hmm. right that's what you do and the what i think part of the sickness with social media is now everyone is in the broadcasting industry 
Every single person has their own show. So, and that, that brings weird things out of people. Like, it does. It, it, it makes you... I mean, you've heard, like, you know, Howard Stern's doing this big... Um, Have you me- read his media book? Tour. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, no. It's really Is good. Is it really good? It's really good. He's doing this big media tour, and then people... One of the things they're trying to do, the media is trying to... Uh, do what they you know do all the time to politicians and they're like looking back at his past works and past jokes and past comments and trying to pick the worst ones out and say to him hey like you know you're you're a bad person and we shouldn't allow you in the in the mainstream look at look at this thing you said in 1991 That's right incredible from the same yeah. people who praised same, him i mean the entire time a genius but what's interesting about it too is like you know his response is like look i do a show in which, yes, it's me, but I'm also trying to incite reactions out of the audience. That's mm-hmm. my job. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's everyone's job. Everyone hops on Twitter and is trying to incite reactions out of the audience to get retweets or whatever it out. Whatever I think else this it is. is. I think this was in my last book where I talked about the problem is everybody was focused on talk radio and how bad talk radio is. <laughs> but when I first got into radio and talk radio, um, I had to develop an audience. Mm-hmm. Now my audience has an audience. Yeah. So everyone, and I don't mean everyone, but I mean so many people are developing audiences. They worry about the clicks. They worry about the likes. How many people like this? How many people shared this? Blah, blah, blah. That's you looking at ratings. So everyone who ever said, all these talk radio people, all they do is they look for, they're saying it for ratings. If you're liking, sharing, or worried about clicks... You're in the same boat. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Sponsor this half hour is Blinds.com. They get all kinds of great stories in from people. Uh, This one came in from a guy named Tommy. He lives in Florida. He says, the blinds were perfect. He said, I saved money. I felt that they were higher quality than, you know, anything I was getting in the box store. Our windows look brand new with our Blinds.com order. We have several other window blinds that need replacing, and we will definitely be using Blinds.com. Thanks. I love this line. Thanks for employing great people who meet and exceed the customer's expectations. This is really hard to do in business, but that is the story over and over again with anyone who has used Blinds.com. 30,000 five-star customer reviews. America's number one online choice for affordable custom window coverings. Free samples, free shipping. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. And now for the mega Memorial Day sale, you can save up to 50% off everything, plus an extra 20 bucks if you use the promo code BECK. That's 50% off plus an additional $20 off if you use the promo code BECK at blinds.com. Promo code BECK. Pretty much everybody goes to Wikipedia for something. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tonight on TV, there's an amazing thing about the bias that goes on in the editing. We'll get into that tonight. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest where uh, extreme weather was 20 days of sunshine. Uh, The only thing that we had in, in regards to natural disasters that I recall, I remember I was about 17 years old, I think, when Mount St. Helens blew up. And I was on the other side of the state, and I heard it. It shook the windows. But on that, really nothing. I mean, we don't have a fly problem or a mosquito problem. It's pretty sweet in the Pacific Northwest. You, you move around the country, and you get a real sense of how different people are and how different the areas are. 
and you start to appreciate weather. I remember because we didn't it rained all the time in Seattle, but if you have ever been in Seattle or lived in Seattle, you know it doesn't ever rain really hard. It's just always misty and drizzly. And I remember 18 years old moving out to Washington D.C. and people must have thought I was crazy. I'm 18. I'm I'm in this rental apartment that I had a an Apple box, a little like 12 inch screen TV. I had a mattress and a refrigerator full of beer and macaroni boxes that was it and it rained in august and it rained like a washington humidity thunderstorm i had never seen lightning before we have what's called uh i can't even remember now uh, sheet lightning it would be up above the clouds in washington state so you never saw a bolt and I stood out and like an idiot stood out in the rain, just watching these bolts come down, thinking this is unbelievable. The one place that I have lived that scares the hell out of me is Texas. Because they have one weather event that is completely unpredictable and so destructive. It's terrifying. They're tornadoes. When a tornado goes off here and we're in kind of a suburb of Tornado Alley, when we have tornado warnings that happen, and when they happen, at least for me, it still freaks me out in the family. Means get into the center of the house. Like, oh, okay. All right, the center of the house where there's no glass. Oh, okay, sure. That's going to I don't know if you know this. It's up above the house. It could set down in the middle of the house and suck us up into it. And they are so random. If you've ever seen the effects of a tornado, something on one side of the street can be absolutely fine. And a corner of the house across the street is completely gone. They jump, they jump fast, and the destructive power is unlike anything I've ever seen. A massive tornado tore through Dayton, one of Ohio's largest cities, last night. Levels home, leveled homes, entire apartment complexes, knocked out power, knocked out water, tens of thousands of people, about 140,000 people. people in this area trying now to figure out their lives as this tornado massive tornado just hopscotched across ohio last week it was bad indiana missouri illinois ohio now destruction all across the country oklahoma and it's been a busy week for mercury one and uh, to tell us what we can do is uh, Suzanne Grishman. She is uh, here. She is the um, the um, executive director of Mercury One. Welcome to the program, Suzanne. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Glenn. So I know you guys were out last week for the storms in Oklahoma. What do, what do we have going on and what do people need? So it's been a vi- busy week for our partners on the ground. Um, people need food. They need water. There are mucking out homes right now. A lot of the areas have been flooded very badly in the Midwest. Um, but the trail, the devastation of destruction 
is really what's the worst right now on the ground. We have Team Rubicon working real hard. A lot of our veterans that volunteer their time through Team Rubicon, they're deployed all over the Midwest right now, and they're responding. For people who don't know what Team Rubicon is, this is the greatest charity. It is, they're all veterans. And these veterans, you know, they come home and they feel like they're not making a difference. And they want to make a difference. And Team Rubicon is usually the first on the ground, and they're the last to leave. There's a lot of people still on the ground with Team Rubicon, with Hurricane Harvey still rebuilding homes. It's amazing. And so they come in, and the first thing they do is muck out homes. And if you've never had to do that, it's an awful experience to do it for somebody else's house. I can't even imagine doing it for your own house. But Team Rubicon uh, is great. Operation Blessing is there. They're really food and disaster relief kind of They are stuff, food, right? disaster relief. They actually are a volunteer organization as well. Okay. So they go in with people and they work through some of the local churches there and they try to lift people up in a time of crisis. Yeah. And a, you can imagine a lot of trauma. Minuteman Disaster Relief and City Impact. Um, what Mercury One does is we give 100% of whatever we collect to these charities we've vetted these charities we've worked with these charities we know that this is actually your money is going to the right place nothing against the red cross but you know you you're funding sometimes their phone system uh when you give to the red cross this we know 100 percent goes to these impact and you can you can go to natural disasters if you want to just fund natural disasters we know that that money will go right directly to the people uh and not to some big institution uh and so we really need your help you can go to mercury one.org uh donate to our humanitarian relief fund did you see also uh suzanne there was a story that came out today that says here it is genocide of christians reaches an alarming stage christian persecution is now quote at near genocide levels this according to a report in the bbc a lengthy interim study ordered by the british former secretary uh blah 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 says uh, one in three people around the world suffer from religious persecution with christians being the most persecuted religious group that's crazy. It is unfortunately the truth. It is happening all around the world. They're saying that uh, nobody is talking about it, and they're not talking about it for politically correct reasons. And so, which is the wrong reasons. Exactly this is when wrong. you do stand up exactly and take right. a stand. That's exactly right. Uh, and I know we're doing uh, a lot around the world on uh, Christian persecution. You can get involved on that at mercuryone.org. And one last thing. We do these pop-up museums, uh, and the the collection at Mercury One has grown is quite an amazing uh, collection already, and it's about to uh, get even bigger uh, as we move forward. But we're also partnering uh, with other museums, the African American Museum in Dallas, the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum, the Frontiers of Flight Museum, the Dallas Historical Society, the Old Red Museum, uh, blah, blah, blah. And we are we've we've partnered with them to put together something called 12 score and three years ago based on Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address four score and seven years ago. It's now been 12 score in three years ago that our founders got together and said, hey, we have an idea for a country. And Lincoln had a goal and Lincoln's goal was, can we actually do all men are created equal? Can we free slaves? 
it's been a fascinating journey and many people will focus on the really bad things about slavery or they will take it out of context it's important that context is um, is put in around slavery so you really truly understand what was going on and how it affects us today but also those who did something with their freedom those who said i'm not going to sit around i'm free now what am i going to do with it um we look at the gettysburg address will be here the emancipation proclamation coming it's, it's, it's amazing stuff that you will be able to see 12 score and three years ago the unfinished promise uh, promise of unity um and when does that happen so it's going to happen on the 29th and 30th of june and then we'll be also here the 4th through the 7th so come spend your fourth of july weekend with us they can go on a tour with you too glenn yeah, i know david barton is going to be uh, giving tours i'm going to be giving tours Stu will give his usual crappy tour where he really doesn't crappy. know anything i'm oh. just saying if you if you don't want your kids to learn anything you just want to have fun we all on the stew tour. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, grab your tickets now. You can get them at mercuryone.org uh, and, uh, and just look for 12 score and three years ago and come see us as we open up uh, the studios again uh, this year for a, a really fantastic um, look at American history and the promise of unity that has not been fulfilled yet and what we have done in the past and what we need to do in the future going forward. Thank you so much, Suzanne. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, all of this can be found at mercuryone.org. And by the way, if you don't have any money that you can donate, that's okay. We will take your prayers. Uh, the prayers for all those who are affected and all those who are going out trying to heal those communities. We could really use your prayers. All right, uh, Patriot Mobile is our uh, sponsor this half hour. Patriot, uh, I'm sorry, it's what? Simply Safe? Okay. SimplySafe.com uh, is our sponsor. And uh, Simply Safe is, is a great alarm system for your home. Simply Safe <clears throat> will keep your home protected the smart way. Now, this, this was a, an amazing company that I think had five employees a few years ago, 10 years ago, when, when they first started with us. Now, they are changing the industry. I think they're one of the largest uh, 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 security companies out there now that is, they're just changing everything. There's no contracts. There's no wiring of anything. This is just not a gimmicky device. In fact, they've just upgraded to now they'll give you, I think it's, are they still doing it? Yeah, you get a free security camera when you order now. Uh, the security cameras are really important because, and I didn't know this, when you call, when your alarm system goes off and it calls 911, your home goes at the bottom of the 911 calls, okay? Because it's automated and it's usually just something has triggered it. However, with Simply Safe, they can verify that somebody has tried to break in or is breaking in, and they have the photographic evidence. And because they have that photographic evidence, Simply Safe is the only security company that puts you on the same footing as IBM. Because when IBM has a break in, they have somebody that's monitoring the cameras, and they say, "Yes, we see the person," and they go to the top of the nine one one call. Now your house will go to the top of the 911 call. Simply Safe is the only company 
that is offering this. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there right now. You'll get a free security camera when you order. It's a $100 value. You'll have eyes on your home 24-7, video evidence if somebody tries to get in. Get the free security camera now at SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. There is a, uh, there's a real change that happened over in Europe. Uh, if you look at it country by country, An- Angela Merkel's middle-of-the-road governing coalition lost significant ground. She's holding on. She says she's going to hold on until, I think, 2021. Um, but that's uh, to be seen. The Green Party surged, and the far right made some modest gains. Um, in France... It was the far right that surged and and handed President Macron a massive defeat. Uh, France is in trouble. France is in real trouble. United Kingdom, uh, the two long dominant parties uh, took a hammering while the new anti-EU party, uh, the Brexit party, won the biggest share. Would you say 30 more seats? It was 31.5% of the vote. So they're the biggest. That's crazy. They did not exist six weeks ago. How insane is that? The interior minister um, of Italy, his far right party, won the Italian vote, quadrupled their uh, their representation. In fact, he now the prime minister said um, Italy's not going to change an awful lot. But the EU begins to change tomorrow because of the vote in Italy. Uh, the socialist is always one in Spain. In Poland, uh, it was the right-wing uh, party that was the big winner. Romania, uh, the National Coalition, w- lost ground there. In the Netherlands, Gert Wielders, uh, his right-wing populist, lost all four seats that they did hold. It was the center-left that pulled off a surprise victory. A lot of these were real surprises. Um, in Belgium... The extreme right anti-immigrant party made a massive surge in um, in uh, Dutch speaking Flanders, while Greens made uh, new inroads uh, in Brussels. Uh, the thing is, when you have parties who are kind of in the extreme in Europe, they never wind up fighting. No, the socialists and uh, the fascists—they never, yep. they never fight. Nice, they, nice, uh, yeah. nice the relationship they usually have. Uh, let's see, Portugal. Um, probably almost nobody showed up it was historic low turnout in portugal and the socialists who have been uh governing uh continue to govern there yeah that was one of the things that they said about these elections it, basically it's a way for these countries to kind of give their state of affairs how they feel mm-hmm. without having to feel massive repercussions from it because mm-hmm. they don't have as much control over their daily lives so they wind up turning out a lot more a lot differently than than the national elections go so the populist Euroskeptics in Finland, Slovakia, Bulgaria, Denmark, Austria, uh, all kind of uh, surged. Um, uh, Ireland, still counting their votes. Uh, seven. Uh, <laughs> eight. Uh, it, it, what Europe said last week uh, was interesting. Um there was a surge with socialism, but there was a bigger surge with nationalism and anti-EU. And I think that's the one thing that no politician is really paying attention to. They're all looking to socialism, but they're not paying attention to what people are actually feeling.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. How can so much of the country and so much of the world feel so differently than perhaps you do? Well, first of all, they don't necessarily feel differently than you do. We're being made to believe that we have huge differences where I don't think we actually do. And I want to start with the abortion debate and then what Gillette has just put out. A new a new razor commercial. And you're going to learn a lot, America, on how we should be. That's coming up in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So consumer advocates are uh, raising the alert about a Social Security imposter scam. Scammers are using technology to spoof your caller ID, making it look like the Social Security Administration is calling. Uh, Then they warn you that your Social Security number has been suspended because of suspicious activity or it's been used in a crime. Uh, And so this has led 76,000 people to uh, complain about uh, social security Im- imposters because what they're doing is they're saying can you verify your social security number just go ahead and read it back to me don't do that no no they should have your social security number uh anyway the, the cyber crime is on the rise and lifelock stands against it they detect a wide range of identity thefts like your social security number being on sale for the at the dark web and they have a U.S. restoration-based uh, specialist that is going to fix this with you, do everything they can. And that's really, to me, that's where the, the rubber hits the road. Calling me up and saying, hey, somebody stole your ID. Uh, well, that doesn't help me. Somebody saying, hey, somebody stole your identity, and uh, we're going we're gonna to put a specialist on it to fix it. That means something. That's what LifeLock does. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but they can see the threats that you might miss on your own. So join now. Get 10% off your first year by using the promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or LifeLock.com, and use the promo code BECK and receive 10% off now. You know, uh, what happened in the elections uh, last week in Europe took a lot of people by surprise. And it took people by surprise exactly the same way that Donald Trump uh, win took people by surprise. And it shouldn't. Because what the EU is, is an artificial entity. It was an entity that was maybe started with good intentions. It was started because after World War II, they were like, okay. These countries, it's, you know, Belgium, you're not really even a country or a Waffle House at best. Uh, And, you know, we're just going to put you into one group. Well, the Belgians are like, yeah, we do make waffles, but we also do a couple of other things that are really cool. And uh, the EU was starting to erase those things and starting to call people names. You're a racist if you were a proud Belgian. You were a racist if you were proud of your Swedish flag. Well, that has nothing to do with racism. And this is by erasing and folding everybody into this artificial EU. People started to push back on it. That doesn't mean that they hate France or hate Italy. It means that they're proud of who they are and they don't like this artificial argument 
that they're racist. That's only making things worse. No, we just don't want to be controlled by a foreign body. We don't want the Germans telling us in France what to think or do. We're different. Doesn't mean we hate Germany, but because it's been set up this way and because the media and everybody else has been been saying, well, you're a racist if you believe this, the Bubba effect is coming into play in Europe. The Bubba effect is is really happening. And you can see it in things like Nazis punching Nazis. We all know punching Nazis, punching anybody is wrong. Yeah, but you don't get that reaction from the left because they say, well, you know, punching someone. I mean, like, look, the Nazis deserved it. Sure, punching people is wrong, but, you know, they deserved it. And and someone needed to stand up and you're not going to step in and tell us we can't do that. And that is the effect that's, uh, you know, it's been long rumored that it would happen to somewhere, you know, in some southern you know, city and, and after some, you the know, some, effect. a bunch, a bunch of racists would, would be involved in it. And it's, and it's been the opposite. Uh, it's been in, you know, San Francisco mm-hmm. where you're seeing it happen. But the point is like you, people get to that level where they don't care anymore. And they know, they know that for instance, are Nazis a problem? Yeah. Are Nazis really one of the biggest problems in the United States? No. But there's a rally scheduled this this uh, week weekend in uh, for, for the KKK. It was, it, where was headlines it? everywhere. Uh, it's it's like in, in, I thought it was in Dayton. I thought it was in Ohio, someplace. Like nine people showed nine up. Nine people. Nine. How yeah, endless coverage previewing an event where nine people show up. Now there should be zero people. We all realize that, but you can't account for stupidity that much i mean like you can't you're not gonna be able to find you know there are racists yeah, there, there will always be racists there will always be racists and we do we like them no we don't but we don't blow it out of proportion and that's what everything that's everything right now everything is blown out of proportion and what happened in europe is happening here and is going to continue to happen on a bigger and bigger scale until we either get it or destroy ourselves <clears throat> let's take abortion where are most people on abortion? Most people are, look, I mean, I don't want to, if there's rape or incest, I, I don't, I, I, yes, it's a baby, and I don't want to even think of it that way. Most people, and I'm giving the benefit of the doubt on this, because I don't think this is most people, but it's close, but I'm going to throw the scale in their favor. Most people are safe, rare, and legal. That's where most people are. And legal for a short period of time. Short period Mm -hmm. of time. Short period of time. When, you know, when you're into 25 weeks there, dude, you've already carried the baby. What kind of scars are you? I mean, hello, what are you talking about? So if you were raped or there was incest and, and, you know, you, that's where most people are. That's not where, that's where I want to be. But it's not really where I think I am. I, I Life is life. And I'm changing on that. And people are changing. And if you ha- when you stop changing, you're dead. You're either dead physically or you're dead mentally. If you're not changing, if your views aren't evolving someplace, and you're dead. Why get up in the morning? You're not learning anything new. So the problem is, 
is that just like the EU, you are either in the EU and for the EU or you're a racist. That's not true. That is not true. And people have had enough of it. And it's not going to end in a good way when it comes to abortion. You either hate women or you're for whatever the latest is right before birth, right after birth, two years after birth. You're either for that or you hate women. That's not true. And, and here's why it's effective for the left, because they always make it about that one person. They make it about a story. For instance, does anybody think giving your kids access to gender and hormone treatment is a good thing as a parent? Does anybody think that? Now, what they want to do after they went, your brain stops developing. You're fully developed, I think, at 24. You know, legally, 18. Okay, you're on your own. You can do your own thing, whatever. But I would caution that you don't do anything when you're a kid that lasts forever. We don't, we don't let our kids go into a tattoo parlor, uh, you know, at, at five or six or eight. Why? Why? Because it's permanent. Don't make any permanent decisions. Don't let your kids get married at nine. Why? It's not about sex. It's about they're not fully developed. They can't make that decision. Now, here's Gillette framing gender therapy in a completely different way. And they, when they do this... How do you argue? Here's, yes, the sexist razor company trying to show you just how evil you are. Listen. Growing up, I was always trying to figure out what kind of man I wanted to become, and I'm still trying to figure out what kind of man that I want to become. I always knew I was different. I didn't know that there was a term for the type of person that I was. I went into my transition just wanting to be happy. I'm glad I'm at the point where I'm able to shave. South, south, north, north, east, west, never in a hurry. Right. Warm. Now, don't be scared. Don't be scared. That's his father. Shaving is about being confident. Oh, you're doing fine. You are doing fine. I'm at the point in my manhood where I'm actually happy. It's not just myself transitioning, it's everybody around me transitioning. Whenever, wherever, however it happens, your first shave is special. Gillette, the best a man can get. Now, how do you argue about that? You see that. And if you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, can we not jam transgenderism down everybody's throat? You're immediately a hater. Why? Well, the feeling of that is nice, right? It's a parent, it's a dad and his kid, and they're having a nice moment. And you know, it, how can you fight against that? So I read this story. I didn't see that's the first time I've seen the commercial, but I read the story. And when I read the story, it was an anti-Gillette stance. Mm-hmm. Okay, but as I read the story and I read the transcript, they're selling love. That's what they're selling. They're selling love. 
just like they sold love. Who are you to judge? You're going to stop? This is about love. Love always wins. No. No. Gay marriage was not about love. If it was about love, we should have said the federal government shouldn't have anything to say about anybody's marriage. Because love, if you love a tree and you want to marry a tree, marry a tree. It's not the government's business. But it wasn't about love. It was in some particular cases, it was about love. It was at the individual level, in most cases, about love. But in the political arena, at the, at the, at the level of, of the activist, it wasn't. It was about change, not a change in me, about change in everyone else. It's a change of everyone else. You now must agree with me. So we've just taken, you must agree with me, gay marriage is wrong, to you must agree with me, gay marriage is right. Neither of those is good. Because it rules out people being different. I may not hate people who are gay, I may not hate people who are, uh, who are married, but that doesn't mean uh, that I, I want that in my life, that I want to teach that in my life. It means I'm tolerant of people who are different, but are the people who are different than me tolerant of me? In my in my particular case, yes, unless they are politically motivated, yes. Every gay person I personally know, we don't have a problem at all. None. Married, they have children. I don't care. They're my friends. That's the way it is with most Americans. But you are made to feel like you hate if you're not for abortion in the extreme, you hate women. If you're not for hormone therapy for your six-year-old, eight-year-old, 15-year-old, you hate people who are different than you. That's not true. That's not true. If you don't agree with them on abortion... Up until the last minute of birth, you're pro-life, which means you're a hater. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how that has been flipped around on us so much that now people want to be pro-choice, even though they're really not. They're more pro-life than a lot of Republicans but because this media has made this, has done such an effective job that you, if you are truly pro-life and are willing to say it, you are made to feel completely alone, even though many of those people who are pro-choice may in some cases be more pro-life than even you are. But they fail to recognize it and they certainly won't admit it. (sighs) 
We have a new sponsor this week. It's Omaha Steaks, America's original butcher. I have to tell you, I love Omaha Steaks. I am a rancher. Uh, we, we grow our own beef. But I will tell you, when I, wanna, when I want a really tender steak, it's not one I'm raising. Uh, <laughs> mine, mine have to hoof it, hoof it up the side of a mountain all the time to get their food. Uh, I want an Omaha steak because it, you can cut it with your fork. That's a great steak. Omaha Steaks delivers 100% guaranteed world-class steaks, burgers, franks, everything you need. Right now, if you order, you'll get two tender, really tender fillets, top sirloins, and pork chops, four Omaha Steak burgers, jumbo franks, and uh, chicken fried steaks, all beef meatballs, four premium chicken breasts, four caramel top apple tartlets for dessert, a pack of Omaha Steaks signature seasoning, and you'll get four extra Omaha Steak burgers for free. All you have to do is order now. This is the perfect summer uh, food to cook out with. It's an Omaha Steak. OmahaSteaks.com. Go there now. OmahaSteaks.com. Type in the word Beck. Uh, in the search bar, and you're going to get the uh, Father's Day st- uh, steak fix package for fifty nine ninety nine. You know that's really where I should have led Father's Day, because Mother's Day they advertise forever. Father's Day is like get him a tie. You know what? It's Father's Day. Give me a box of Omaha steaks, fifty nine ninety nine. If you type in Beck in the search bar at OmahaSteaks.com. Ten seconds. Station ID. Some of these stories are so bad and and just devastating if if you're a parent to listen to when they go through these transgendered procedures early on in life. And and this one's actually a little bit later than some of the stories you hear normally, but listen to this story. This is from someone a parent who whose kid went through this. At age 16, my daughter ran away and reported to the Department of Child Services that she felt unsafe living with me because I refused to refer to her using male pronouns or her chosen male name. Although the department investigated and found she was well cared for, they forced me to meet with a trans-identified person to educate me on these issues. Mm. Soon after, without my knowledge, a pediatric endocrinologist taught my daughter, a minor, to inject herself with testosterone. Oh my gosh. My daughter then ran away to Oregon, where state state law allowed her, at the age of 17 without my knowledge or consent, to change her name and legal gender in court and to undergo a double mastectomy and radical hysterectomy. Oh my gosh. My once beautiful daughter is now 19 years old, homeless, bearded, in extreme poverty, sterilized, not receiving mental health services, extremely mentally ill, and planning a surgical procedure that removes part of her arm to construct a fake male appendage. That is, I mean, how devastating for a parent to go through that not to mention what's happened to the kid uh going through that and, and, and a, so is that love I, is that love is that the compassionate part of this you know argument that doesn't seem like it and you know it's stuff like this i think is as important as what the left tries to do it is because the truth is somewhere in between the truth in, is some people some people are born differently okay and 
in time they might want to live another life mm-hmm. is it is it healthy to say you're a man when you're really a woman i don't think so but i'll have compassion on people like again like caitlin jenner i felt horrible horrible that this guy that i grew up with was tortured his whole life that's not compassion either but just using him politically and saying oh beautiful woman when in reality he's not a beautiful woman he's not sorry how dare you i know how dare you so that's not compassion you know that, that that's the kind of compassion that gets you on uh, you know, America's got talent when you ain't got no talent. Yeah, right. That's everybody going, <laughs> oh, no, reality. you are a lovely singer. No, you're not. There's, and Simon's going to say it. There's something, too, about this word, the capitalism always wins type of thing. It's like, hey, we have this really, you know, difficult issue of transgender. Your movement is really important to us. By the way, help us, you know, sell these sharp pieces of metal. Like, I mean, the Gillette thing is so transparent. You're listening to Glenn Beck. When we come back, we want to. I want to talk a little bit more about this and how we're failing to uh, make the right uh, uh, the right argument. Goldline is proud to celebrate the great World War II heroes of North America with an official nine point nine 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 percent fine gold coins struck by the Royal Canadian Mint in honor of Memorial Day. These coins are completely sold out from the mint. Goldline has the last remaining stock. Royal Canadian Mint's stunning quarter-ounce gold celebrates the joint United States and Canada uh, armed forces. The reverse is the uh, five, $5 coin features a star for the U.S., the maple leaf of Canada, and the arrowhead in the center of the states, U.S. and Canada, with two arrows beneath, representing our combined strength. Again, sold out at the mint level, but you can get them now. A quarter ounce gold coin. It's the official government coin. Beautiful, beautiful Memorial Day memento. And it's pure gold at goldline.com. Read their important risk information and find out all you can about gold. But check this out. Special World War II service coin right now. Goldline.com. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Sign up for a subscription to Blaze TV. Get uh, promo code Glenn will get you ten bucks off. Welcome to the program. Uh, there's been some breaking news from the Supreme Court in the last uh, hour or so. We're going to do our best to uh, wade through this. We think it's both good and bad for um, pro-life people. Uh, the The bad part is the Supreme Court decided not to even consider a an overturning of a law that was passed by Mike Pence when he was the governor of Indiana that said you cannot abort based on sex, well, gender. Um, I think disability is in there as well. Disability, which is really remarkably bad, and race, I think, is in there too. Mm -hmm. So you can't say, ah, it's a white baby, I don't want a white baby. Um, You can't say, oh, well, they're handicapped, so I don't want a handicapped kid. Um, They've overturned that. So you can do those things, which I don't understand yet. We haven't read. Uh, Clarence Thomas concurred with that, um, but it's a long, uh, 
uh, statement. It's like 25 pages long, so we haven't read it yet, but we will by tomorrow. And I'll have that uh, for you because I don't understand that. Yeah, and they're basically race, sex, and disability are the three main ones. And they're not saying, they're basically saying they have no opinion on that. They didn't take it up. Uh, so I that you would have an opinion on that. If you ask <laughs> yeah, the average person, you would have an opinion on that. Yeah, you know, there's a complicated reasons why they do these I know, things. I know, I know. Um, and so, not necessarily a bad ruling, but it, we would have wanted a ruling in, you know, you would want them to hold, to hold up the law. So that will now have its legal challenges on its own. Now, uh, the Supreme Court did overturn an overturning yes of the law that mike pence uh did on fetal remains yeah so just to under to make it understandable it went the good way for pro-life people on the fetal remains part of the law which basically says hey it's person so you kind of have to bury it with all the laws of burying a person cremate or bury right um you can't just i don't know you know sell it for parts or you know put it on you know whatever they're doing whatever whatever weird twisted thing planned parenthood is doing these days uh with the remains they have to bury it like it's a person and it's a respectful thing obviously Uh, they don't want that to happen because they're trying to argue it's not a person so it went to uh that's a big that's a big deal yeah and it's interesting because i think one of the things it does is it puts another another burden on planned parenthood right so if they're having ten thousand abortions at a clinic they now have to have 10,000 cremations or 10,000 burials. But that's not what they really ar- argued. They didn't un- argue it was an undue burden, which is one of the reasons why it seemingly went through. That basically the law was... It, it, does, the, does the government have any any reason to look at how people are buried? And they said, yes, they do. And so they up, they upheld the law. So that one I think is good. And I think mm. it is good anytime Planned Parent has has another burden to deal with. You, Boy, know. This, I, you know, the way they approach that, I kind of wonder, does the federal government have any place? Well, remember, this is state state. It is a state law. Um, you know, so that's a whole a whole nother uh, situation. So there's been some good and some bad on that. There's it was a there's still a few big cases we can go over this maybe we should spend some time on this because we're getting to the end of the session here we're going to have some of the bigger uh rulings coming out um you know there was there's before we move off of abortion Mm -hmm. let's just wrap up what we were talking about on on abortion and how we are we're focused on the wrong things and and even people who are uh really truly pro-life say they're pro-choice because they're they don't want to say that they're pro-life, yeah, and they are viewing it differently. Yeah, for a friend of mine uh, was talking about you know the pro-choice, pro-life thing, and he says he's pro-choice. And you know, you investigate these things, and you realize that like the people even that say that they're pro-choice are so far away from where the debate is actually happening, and certainly so far away from anything the Democratic Party is advocating for these days. Uh, you know, he said it was basically the first trimester. Uh, which is, you know, kind of where Roe versus Wade was. That's mm-hmm. where the ruling initially was. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlimited uh, ability to get an abortion in the first trimester. Um, and uh, he was saying, he, talking about cognitive abilities and how far along it was. And as you talk to him, you're like, well, what the, the position he's describing and what a lot of pro-choice people are describing is something considerably to the right of what most Republicans are trying to do in their states. Mm-hmm. Most, the typical Republican position, and this is, an, this is different than the, the, the last week or so of debates where people are talking about Alabama going for six weeks. Um, most Republican states are trying to get a ban on abortion at 20 weeks. 20. 
And what we're talking about here with people who consider themselves pro-choice, they're saying, well, I think that it should be allowed up to 12 weeks or 10 weeks. I mean, the polling on it is really incredible. As we talk about the first trimester, about 60% of Americans think abortion should be legal in some form. And the reason why I truly believe is because it's been drilled into our head. Rape, incest. I don't want to make that decision. I don't, I'm not that person. It is the emotional argument there. Right. And so I think that is the argument of compassion. People think, Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it's normal. I think to be there because you're, you want to say, and it's, and it's actually in some ways very American to be there. I'm not in your situation. Right. I I don't want to make that call. And that's what people, because it has not been made about life. So the left gets all libertarian on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't want anything to do with our body. I mean, sure, we want to micromanage this type of straw and how much soda you drink every single day. Yeah. But we don't want to be involved in your health decisions. Sure, we want to take over the entire healthcare system. But gosh, you and your doctor, that relationship's so important. It's so insultingly fake. I mean, they don't argue this point on any other issue. But it works for a while. Yeah. It works because if they are there and you keep the argument there, most people are there. If you can do that, yeah. So 60% of people in the first trimester think abortion should be legal. Um, In the second trimester, generally legal or not, only 28%. So you're down to an incredibly unpopular position. So you're an incredibly, you are very much alone if you believe in the second trimester. But the word trimester mm-hmm. means there's another Third. trimester that's coming. And you're at 13%. 13% of people believe in the stated democratic position, right? That uh, you should be able to uh to have an abortion in the third trimester generally that's incredibly terrible and this is a position can you believe that they have 24 candidates and they can't find one who's going to side with the 80 i think it's 84 to 13 technically 84 percent of people who believe third trimester abortion should be illegal they can't find a person there's not one of the 22 dozen candidates. You can't find somebody who's going to stand up and say, yeah, by the way, that third trimester thing, that's a little nuts. Nobody. And all they can do is find people who come out and say, well, look, five minutes before um, before birth. Yes, it's the it's the woman's choice for any reason. The woman's choice. That's a, that is I mean, and I, I think a huge problem because number one, people are people want to describe themselves oddly to me as pro-choice even when they're taking positions to the right of where george w bush was or where uh you know where most republican states are right like people want to be able to say that they're pro-choice instead of pro-life and in a way it's it's i mean i would not certainly uh consider someone who's for abortion in the first trimester to be pro-life but when you look about the the scale of debate right now most of the debates happening in the ninth month of pregnancy where, where there's supposedly a controversy and isn't. And then the rest of it, people are like, well, okay, 20, 20 weeks. That's a Republican position. Every time that gets trotted out, the media beats on them like they're psychotic. They just want to steal women's ovaries and use them for sport. 
And it's like, well, that's not what's happening at all. The you ever over- played pool with ovaries? Yes. It's fun. Ovary pool? Ovary pool. I figured you'd yeah. play before because you're yeah. an evil conservative. Right, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. So, I mean, they want to play ovary, ovary billiards. <laughs> that's one way to go. But in reality, the, the conversation is to the, you know, the reality of the situation is if you could, if you went with all these Republican states and they said 20 weeks, you would get rid of an, a massive amount of some of the most horrific things we allow as a society. Uh, and it would not, you know what, the job wouldn't be done. And people will say, well, it's just a Trojan horse. You're trying to get no more abortions. It's not a Trojan horse. I'm telling you, it's right there. <laughs> I'm telling you that's what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I consider this, all of these things, a step towards never having another one of these happen. And that's why people will say they're pro-life. Because they get bogged down. Pro-choice. In the, uh, pro, uh, pro-choice. Yes. Because they get bogged down in that first six weeks. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, I, you know, I don't want to make that decision. And the left will say, well, they're just trying to get rid of it all entirely. Mm-hmm. And they, they're stuck there at that point of compassion. And because they are compassionate, Americans are compassionate people. They will look at people who say, yeah, the night before. Yeah, go ahead. Kill the baby the night before. Kill him. Let him die after birth. If we tried to kill him and we didn't kill him, we can let him die. What they'll say to themselves is, that's not, that's not real. That's not going to happen. Yeah. That's not, it's just that the, the people aren't going to do that. No, no, no. People are doing that. People are shouting their abortions. People are happy about abortions. And so they live in this safe but rare kind of world where they're yeah. like, it's, it's rare and it should be safe and it should be legal. And so I don't want to be, I don't want to be pro-life because that means, you know, that, that it's all going to be back alley abortions. Mm-hmm. And so they get stuck there. I, I that that point is really it bothers me because I mean you're t- we, I've heard people say this before like oh well look you're talking about these last minute abortions there's almost none of these things that happens like one to two percent of abortions that's one way of thinking about it and I bet that way makes you feel good how about this other way uh, how many nine elevens you willing to excuse six seven eight ten because that's what we're talking about we're talking about tens of thousands of babies that could be born in weeks that are fully formed in the womb that you're killing. So, yeah, you could say 1% to 2% because that feels a lot better than saying 7 or 8 9 11s. I mean, it feels a lot better. But let's just say all we did was save the 20,000 kids that we're killing within the last few weeks of pregnancy. And by the way, this, there was a big story while you were out, Glenn. The NPR um, has their language of how you're supposed mm-hmm. to talk about abortion. You mm-hmm. might have caught a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. The one thing they did say in there was don't call them rare because we don't know how many of them occur. That's NPR. All of that was all left-wing propaganda, except that one point. They said, don't call late-term and third-term trimester abortions rare, because we don't know if they're rare. So we're, we know we're talking about tens of thousands. We don't know how many, uh, how many there actually are. And even if it was just that, if you could just get off this like little debate thing where you're saying, well, I don't know. Donald Trump seems to not want them, so I want them. If you can get past that sort of thing, you could save tens of thousands of actual children. And wouldn't that be great? And you know what? You can go on the, in, front of the, in front of Congress and say, well, what about these kids that are in cages in the shiny blankets? They aren't being treated as well as we should on the border. That's a great point. Seems secondary to the tens of thousands of kids that are dying. Seems secondary. You know, get rid of that first. Then come talk to me about the color of their blankets. It's the only way you could uh, argue about the color of the blankets because they are 
children. And uh, and we hear from the left all the time. If we can just save one. It's worth it. So I sat in my uh, I sat in my old studio chair the other day and uh, wow, was that uncomfortable? I had forgotten. I was like, whoa, what happened to the chair? Then I come in this morning and I sit in my ex chair and I say the same thing. Whoa, what happened? Pat came in. Now, he claims he didn't, but somebody did. And they adjusted my chair and adjusted it in ways I didn't even know it could be adjusted. And I had to readjust it. It's like getting into a car. You know, you have to reset it for you. What felt good to Pat was horrible for me. What feels good for me uh, apparently was horrible for Pat. But that's the deal. We're all different. And X chair knows that. And so they give you more adjustments than you could. That I've never seen this many adjustments on an office chair. They are great. They fit you and they make sure that when you get up, you're, you're not like, oh, OK, I got to stand up. X chair Go there now. X chair Find out if it's uh, right for you with a 30 day trial. They'll, they'll take it back after 30 days. No question asked. If you don't like it, no problem. You're going to love it. And $100 off uh, at xchairbeck.com right now. $100 off 844-4X-CHAIR. 844-4X-CHAIR or xchairbeck.com. If you use the promo code XWHEELS, you're going to receive a free set of new X-Wheels with your chair as well. That's xchairbeck.com. This is an incredible story. The We Build the Wall uh, private organization that is building a uh, section of the of the border wall for a lot less money and a lot faster than the federal government uh, could build it. What a surprise! Um, but it is just it's a it's amazing to me uh, that the, the people are so passionate about this. Our government is so dispassionate, so anti the wall. That the American people have put their own money behind it and hired a construction team to build a secure wall in the El Paso sector. Also, wasn't there one in New Mexico that they're building as well? And they're they're getting it done. That that's incredible to me. And quite honestly, I just I just in looking at what happened in Europe, and I think Europe is ahead of us. I don't think the the Trump mania is going to be tamped down at all. I just don't think the typical politician is going to be a winning strategy for the left. You know, but more bigger government? No, we're seeing government doesn't work. And more of the same Democrat stuff, except on steroids? I don't think so. I don't think so. We watch the economy as the economy goes. So will this next election. You're listening to Glenn Beck.